Welcome back to Thimbleberry U. I am John Jagay. I'm joined once again by Amy Walls from Thimbleberry Financial. Great to be back with you, Amy. Oh, it's great to be with you. So, Amy, today we're going to talk about choosing a financial advisor. And this is one of those decisions that really has far-reaching impacts for your entire future, especially financially, but in so many different ways. And there are a lot of questions that we really need to ask a financial advisor when choosing one, right? Absolutely. And there's a lot of lists out on the internet. Those are a great start, but you really want to get down to the differences between the people you're meeting with. As with all things on the internet, you can get a good starting point, but really, you're going to want to talk to an expert. (laughs) Absolutely. So let's start with the first question to ask an advisor, which would be, how does that advisor work and what's their focus? That's a good place to start, right? It is. And financial advisor is a term that everybody uses, but the real question is, what does it mean to that advisor? Mm -hmm. in terms of how they work. So advisors are going to be investment focused, but it's also important to figure out what else they do. Mm -hmm. Some advisors do financial planning also, and they may charge a fee for it. In fact, we do both. We do financial planning with our clients on an annual basis, and we charge a fee for it each year. Mm -hmm. We also manage money for our clients. And how I really look at that is the financial planning. It's kind of like a checkup with your doctor, Yeah. Right. If you go in and say, hey, I'm not sure what's going on. And the doctor says two minutes after being in the room with you, ah, here's a prescription. (laughs) You laugh because what did they do? Right. And how did they arrive at coming up with that prescription? Well, I think the same is true in our industry. And the financial plan is a lot like having the physical and doing the blood work to know where you're at and what needs to change to make you better. And the investments are one of the prescriptions. And the best part about the financial checkup, there's no needles for the blood draw. Absolutely. (laughs) So tell me about CFP. What does that stand for and what does that mean? So CFP designation is the Certified Financial Planner designation. And all CFPs agree to a fiduciary standard that is higher than what the industry has. Okay. Okay, so right now in our industry, there's a lot of talk about fiduciary work and fee-based work Mm -hmm. and that everybody should work with a fiduciary. And I don't disagree with that at all. But when it's brought up most of the time, what I see is it's brought up as you need to work with somebody who's with a registered investment advisory firm. And that's a lot. That's a mouthful. Yeah, it is. Right. RIA for short, Registered Investment Advisory Firm. That's the body that needs to be there. And then their work is regulated by the SEC. The flip side of that is the old traditional way of investments, which is through a broker. Mm -hmm. It's the broker-dealer side of the business, which is commission-based work. And that work is regulated by FINRA. Okay. So it really comes down to how are you paying for it is the difference. And commission-based work is not fiduciary work. And the fee-based or fiduciary side is technically fiduciary, but it's not the strongest definition of fiduciary, in all honesty. The thing to, to really bring home here, Amy, is the fiduciary standard means that that advisor, your financial interest is their financial interest, that they are required by law to make sure that they are acting in the client's best interest, not worried about whatever they're going to get paid from whomever. Yes, in the true sense of the word. So in our industry, there's a little bit of 
even with the RIA standard or the SEC standard of fiduciary, it's not as strong as the definition you just gave. Okay. Okay. So that's important to know. And, and where I was going with this is if you read about this, things tend to say you need to work with a RIA firm and not a broker-dealer firm. What they forget is you can actually be dually registered to have both. Okay. Which is what we are. And because as CFPs, we've already agreed to a higher standard of fiduciary. Even the work that we do on the FINRA side is still under that fiduciary umbrella. And why I like us being duly registered and why I think being duly registered is good is that there are some things you can't get on the fee-based or fiduciary side of the business. Okay. And sometimes things are less expensive on the commission-based side. And that's better for a client in some cases. Because you're now client-focused, you can take the best of both worlds from each side of it and really bring it together for what's going to be in that client's best interest. You said that way better than I did. (laughs) (laughs) So the next question you're going to want to ask your advisor is, who do you work with, right? That is a very good thing to know. Some people may work with everyone, and that's fine. Others have a specialty, all right? So for us... Our clients tend to come from four industries and really for the most part now two. That's tech, high tech, uh, healthcare, law, and education. Uh, And most of our clients are coming from tech and healthcare. Mm -hmm. We've also found that there's really two specific points in time when our clients come to us. One is they're around 40. They've got good incomes and good discretionary income, and they've watched their parents not be as prepared for retirement as they could be. And they're saying, we want to spend our time focused on our families and our careers and not worried about this and make sure we make the right decisions. You are preaching to the choir right now (laughs) because as much as I don't want to think about it, I turned 40 this year and I just set my parents up with a financial person where they live so that they can have some guidance and maybe make up for some of the mistakes that they made uh, before they got to their 60s where they are now. I mean, it's like you're in my head right now because you, this is my <laughs> this is my life right now, Amy. <laughs> and exactly what you just said is when the second group comes to us. And that's when they're, you know, five years or so away from retirement and they're looking to dot I's and cross T's mm-hmm. and make sure that they're on track. Yep. You and your parents are the perfect age for when people come to us. I love my parents very much, but I also like you, and I would not subject you to sitting in a room with my parents for an hour to talking about this stuff because your head might explode when you... Anyway, I, I, I digress. <laughs> Another question to ask a financial advisor would be how many clients they personally serve, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes you might think a bigger number is better, but that may not be the case. Mm-hmm. And that's just because then someone stretched thin. Yeah. For somebody who's just working on investments... That number could be higher, but research seems to be showing that about 150 clients, give or take, is about right when you have an in-depth, comprehensive relationship with your clients. Interesting. Okay. Yep. And Vanguard's alpha advisor research actually indicates the level of that relationship when it is that deep garners a return of 2 to 3% annually. Hmm. And that's just because... The advisor then knows the client well enough, knows their situation well enough to do behavioral coaching. They're getting into tax strategies and more detailed work that isn't purely the investments. And they're really getting a good 360-degree view of those clients. And I, again, 
to use a borderline millennial term, I feel triggered here when you said behavioral coaching, because <laughs> that's something that I've got the advisor working with my parents and saying, okay, maybe you don't go out to eat as many times a week. Maybe you don't keep leasing cars and so on and so forth. So again, you are just, uh, you are in my head today, Amy. You're, I'm living <laughs> my life in this episode. <laughs> yeah. Well, let me touch on that behavioral coaching. You're right. That can be part of it. But it's also the things that we justify, right? Just in terms of choices. Maybe that I'm going to get around to increasing my 401k. Yes, I'm going to do that. And you don't do it. Yeah, the psychology of it. Mm -hmm. Maybe that means that in a meeting, let's have you log in and let's take care of it right then to get you over the hump. I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, or there's always the proverbial, oh, I'm going to do that in a year, I'm going to do that in five years, and then the year of the five years comes up and it's still, I'm going to do that in a year, I'm going to do that in five years. It's writing a check that you can cash, real essentially, because you want to make sure that you're doing what you're going to say you're doing, sticking to that plan. Absolutely. Another great question to ask an advisor, and we touched on this a little bit a minute ago, Amy, is how is that advisor being compensated? You know, we talked about brokers and broker dealer and that commission-based work where someone's getting paid when you buy or sell. Mm -hmm. Okay. The other side, the more fee-based side, is typically a percentage of assets under management. And that tends to be much more common these days. Mm -hmm. And I think rightfully so, because the advisor is sitting on the same side of the table as you. Yeah. Right. When you do better, they do better. When you do worse, they do worse. Right. So I also mentioned earlier that we charge a separate fee for advice. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's that blood test and that physical, if you will, that I talked about. Yeah. This is something that's not easier for the client, and we fully own that, but it is more practical. And here's the reason why. Okay. We give advice in, in looking at their financial plan. That means we might tell them to move assets, not to us, but into their current work retirement plan, because it allows them to do other strategies that will benefit them in the long run. Okay. And because we're giving that advice and we're looking at that, we then have separated ourselves, if you will, from the fact that we need to get paid, if that makes sense. And if you don't have that fee, then the only way you're getting paid is if the assets come over to the advisor. So if you were not to charge that fee, the only way you're getting paid is if you get them to specifically invest with you. But if you're charging that fee for the advice, like you said, that takes you out of the equation so that you can freely tell them, hey, this is going to be the best option for you, and you no longer have a financial stake in specifically where that money goes. Yes. Another thing about, uh, that's you know people don't always think about with advisors, Amy, is what happens if something happens to the advisor, if the advisor retires, if the advisor, God forbid, gets hit by the proverbial bus tomorrow, what happens to the accounts, the money? Where do I go next if something happens to you as the advisor? Mm -hmm. A succession plan is what we call it, similar to you know a review of your beneficiaries. Okay. And this is a great question to ask an advisor, especially if you're working with an independent advisor. Mm -hmm. And so... Advisors can set up a continuity plan or succession plan. We actually have one in force mm -hmm. with a good friend of mine who's an advisor that we became friends because we do run our practices so similarly. Okay. You know, if I get hit by a bus tomorrow and can't do this, then it's still my client's choice on if they want to work with her or not. But she's already ready to step in and take over my practice. And I doing the same for her if something happened. 
I like that a lot. Okay. It's really a great way to take care of your clients. And chances are, if somebody's working with you, Amy, because they like the way you operate, like the way you do things, it makes sense that they would work with somebody who has a similar value system and similar setup with their business. And then, of course, they have the option, if it's not a good fit, to move on. But I would think it's much better to have them set up with somebody and decide as opposed to, okay, well, I'm not working with Amy anymore. Uh, I just got to pick an advisor from scratch. I like that a lot. Yeah. I mean, we get to know our clients well, and I care about our clients. And so I don't want them in a situation where they're scrambling to get their questions answered to figure out who to work with. So I want them to have the right fit. And I want them to know that I've prepared. And somewhat related to that, Amy, another good question that's not commonly asked, but who supervises that advisor that you're talking to? Who do they answer to? Yeah, good question. So some of it depends on if they are with their own RIA or they use an outside RIA or if they're a broker dealer, but whoever they are associated with would do that. So we work with Cambridge Investment Research as both our broker dealer and our RIA firm. Okay. So they come in and do audits of us. Um, They know everything that happens. So they supervise us from a compliance standpoint to make sure we're being safe for our clients and doing the right thing. If we were our own RIA, then we would be doing that work ourselves. Okay. Or potentially hiring an outside firm to come in and do it. Okay. There are so many different things that are involved with finding an advisor. and There's a million different questions to ask, and I feel like we've kind of scratched the surface here. And I really like the way that you approach things from your firm at Thimbleberry and how you've answered these questions and how you set things up. If somebody wants to come in and talk to you, Amy, about becoming their advisor or questions about their financial future, what are the best ways to reach you? They can give us a call at 503-610-6510 or reach us via our website at thimbleberryfinancial.com. Good stuff, Amy. We'll talk again soon. Sounds good. Registered representative securities offered through Cambridge Investment Research, Inc., a broker-dealer, member FINRA, SIPC. Investment advisor representative, Cambridge Investment Research Advisors, Inc., a registered investment advisor. Cambridge and Thimbleberry Financial are not affiliated. Cambridge does not offer tax or legal advice. Thimbleberry Financial is located at 650 Northeast Holiday Street, Suite 1600, Portland, Oregon, 97232.